I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. So far in 2023, over 136,000 tech workers in the United States have been laid off. And when we add the more than 93,000 that were laid off from tech companies in 2022, we get over 229,000 and counting. It's all the big players, Amazon, Alphabet, Google's parent company, Meta, parent to Facebook and Instagram, Microsoft, and so on. And it's not just the big players. Smaller companies have been making similar decisions. And there's no stopping anytime soon. Here where I live in Minneapolis, A big employer, 3M, just announced on the very day of this recording that 1,100 employees will be laid off. So this is most likely going to be around for a while. And today on the show, we are fortunate to get an up-close-and-personal view of what it's like to be one of those affected. On the show with me is Paul Anheyer, a savvy senior-level tech professional who was one of those let go earlier this year and who has successfully landed at another company. Paul and I serve on a board together, and our paths crossed recently through that board, and I got caught up with him on what he's been doing, and I thought it'd be great to have him on the show. So welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for being here with me on this episode and sharing your experience. I know that so many of my listeners will be grateful to hear from you. They may be in a similar situation themselves, or they might be actually concerned or anxious that they might be in a similar situation sometime in the near future. So I think hearing your specific experience will give them a boost of confidence and some very specific and tactical things that they can do to lessen the impact should they get laid off. So welcome, Paul. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Well, so just to put some context on this for our listeners... You and I have had some similarities in our career paths. We met when you were in grad school and I was on the faculty in the same degree program. So you were a student of mine and a very sharp one at that, I must add. I remember going toe to toe with you on a few issues related to emerging technology in the workplace. And it was humbling to be your professor because I will and I I, I am easily willing to admit when I am wrong. And man, there were some times when I was wrong. You, It was great having you in class. And that was something like, what, 16 or 17 years ago? For sure. I've been humbled by a ton of my own students since then, so I'm sure it <laughs> caught up with me. <laughs> well, I'd love for you to give the listeners a high-level description of your career path and progression. So yeah, tell, sure. tell us about you. Yeah. Um, I'm from Wisconsin, but you know, and lived in Minnesota for a number of years during grad school. Now I live out here in Seattle. Uh, I was an engineer as an undergrad. I was a biomedical engineer, uh, a German lit major, studied abroad. Um, you know, didn't want to do engineering when I got back from spending a year in Germany and uh, had really gotten into web design uh, back when we called it that um, when I was in college and ended up working for some departments 
just as a student, you know, employee doing web design for them and, you know, writing internal FAQs and building self-service sites for people to kind of solve internal tech problems for those. Um, ended up going to grad school for uh, technical communication and rhetoric, uh, which, you know, I think we can all think of as kind of like information design these days. And, um, you know, learned the ins and outs of uh, a lot of different types of professional writing, technical writing, uh, as well as information design, usability, a lot of things that cross paths with the UX world now, the user experience world. Um, you know, started teaching while I was in grad school and got that bug and decided to stay in longer than we probably all should have, but finished that PhD and uh, and went the, the academic route, uh, taught at UW Stout for five years, uh, which was fantastic, had amazing colleagues there, uh, but really wanted to get back to a city. And the tenure, the tenure track uh, job market can be a tough one to navigate in terms of getting to choose where you get to live uh, and having a job that you want. So um, anyways, ended up going on the, uh, the, the industry market um, as either, you know, I was looking uh, as either a UX writer or a UX researcher and kind of took whatever one landed first and got noticed by Amazon. Uh, back in 2014 and went out to join their logistics org as a UX writer uh, and then eventually found a manager there two years later who was willing to give me a shot at UX research, uh, which really put all my qualitative research skills to, to use that I had developed and learned at, at the University of Minnesota. I uh, spent about eight years at Amazon before heading over to Saks Fifth Avenue uh, to launch UX research as a discipline there or relaunch it. Uh, as they were um, kind of acting as a startup with a big cash infusion. And um, and then uh, some layoffs happened there, and I ended up landing over at Target about uh, a month later. Um, so now I've got some great ties back to Minnesota, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, it's been a journey, like I think a lot of people have been on, um, both in just their general career, as well as all of the, the job uh, tumult from the last uh, year, year and a half. Certainly. Yeah. So, and I bet our listeners will uh, hear the, hear the similarities in our career paths. Uh, you like me earned a PhD, we're a college professor, transitioned into corporate work and uh, yeah. Uh, again, also in the user experience and research and design areas. So just a lot of a lot of similarities there between our career paths, which we could do a whole show just on that. But today we're talking about the the layoffs in, in in high tech. So I'm curious, what was it like when you learned the news that your job was being eliminated and the company was you know contracting, kind of moving smaller? How, what was your reaction? It was tough. It was a um, you know I, I really. Uh, really loved the people that I worked with. Um, and that's, that's generally been true all the places I've been. I, I think, um, you know, I think the design world in general just brings together people from a lot of different disciplines and a lot of different backgrounds. And uh, that's just the kind of space I love working in. So um, thankfully, that's where I'm at now with a, a lot of great people. But you know, I really enjoyed working with the people at my last role. Uh, so to have to say goodbye to them was was super painful. And um, you know, obviously for legal purposes, can't get into a lot of the details uh, there. But you know, the the emotional side of it, you know, to say it's, it's just tough. And I'm sure anybody who's gone through a layoff in the last couple of months, um, you know, feels the same way. You know, while it was a surprise, I had spent. Uh, you know, the previous couple months watching a lot of my other former colleagues get laid off from either Amazon or from other places that they had sort of gone off to. Um, so, uh, you know, 
it was it was sort of in the air that this was happening all over the place. So not a total surprise. But, um, you know, it was, I think we got to some local friends, we got to take turns taking each other out to sort of, uh, you know, a dinner or whatever to kind of uh, blow off some steam. Uh, you know, one week somebody would get laid off. They're like, well, we got to take that person out and, you know, lift their spirits. And then the next week I would get laid off. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie through all that. Um, and then, you know, obviously getting to help each other uh, find a new role. So, yeah, it's tough. But, um, you know, you got to get back on your feet. So. Yeah, well, I I appreciate that you you know mentioned that idea of you're not the only one, and that there's basically a community of people who in the high tech world who have been laid off, who've been yeah looking out for each other. And I see a lot of that on LinkedIn as I see people sharing their news of their layoffs and so on. I just really see such support and such you know connection and like how can I help and let me you know make some introductions or. Yeah. I mean, you never know how your network is going to come into play. I know, um, you know, some of the the common uh, wisdom around job searches is to really lean on your network. And that could, you know, I I think for me, for a long time, I always thought that meant like, oh, I have to get a job through my network. And I've honestly never gotten a job through my network. That's never happened for me. Like even the latest job that I got, it was just applying on their site. Uh, But, um, you know, just the emotional support of it, like the the getting messages the day, you know, the same day I got laid off, I announced it on LinkedIn and said I was looking for work. Um, and uh, that was just what felt right for me. And um, just because I really wanted to be looking for other jobs. And with that, you know, predictably, you get an outpouring of messages of people that are, are you know, they want to support you um, and they want to, you know, offer you connections. Some people reach out individually, like privately, and, you know, they have opportunities that they, you know, or people they want to connect you with. Um, your network can really help in a lot of ways that you might not expect, uh, even, you know, if it's not actually connecting you to the actual job. So um, I think the faster you can, like, you know, reach out to your network and, and really uh, lean on them or at least just let them know. Um, I think the more you're going to open yourself up to opportunities that, opportunities that you might not necessarily see right away. Yeah. And I love the fact that your experience and how you constructed your application is what landed you the job. And then, of course, how you did in the interview it wasn't that you were getting friends from favors or getting or rather getting favors from friends or getting jobs because of your network. But you used your network to find that supportive community that would see you through you basically doing the hard work of landing the next role. Yeah, totally. And that might look different for everybody. I mean, I would love to get a job through my network someday and that might help, but uh, that might happen. But for this one, you know, I think in a way I was lucky that I had gotten laid off just like after a year, less than a year and a half of being there because I was looking, you know, just a year and a half earlier than that and had pretty much all my materials updated uh, so all I had to do is add, you know, a bunch of lines for the role that I had just finished up at. And um, that allowed me to just kind of like hit the ground running in a way. Yeah, it definitely yeah, gives I, you more momentum than somebody who's maybe been in a role for 15 years and hasn't been keeping those things up to date. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into thinking through the stories that you want to tell about your projects. And um, that just takes time to develop. I mean, it's like mar- it's, it's marketing yourself. So um, you know, the sooner you can get started, uh, really thinking through those stories and repackaging your experiences, um, you know, the sooner you're going to get to the place where you really feel like you've got a great overall story to tell uh, a potential employer. So, yeah, yeah. 
Well, now I want to know what the job market was like. So I keep telling listeners that the market is so hot for talent right now. And it's, and you know, it's just such a tight market for employers, but with so many big tech companies cutting jobs at the same time, you know, give or take a couple of months, did it, was it hot or not? What was it like to yeah. uh, be on the market? It was definitely cooler than it was, uh, you know, year year and a half prior. Um, you know, when I, I sort of, sort of in the middle of the pandemic, when I think we were seeing, you know, the, the so-called great resignation and just people job hopping all over the place. Um, you know, I, like I'm sure a, a lot of other people were getting a lot of messages from all sorts of companies looking for uh, UX research. I think UX research in general was a pretty hot commodity. Um, and uh, in fact, the team that I was on uh, at Amazon, like a very large percentage of that team ended up going elsewhere just because there were so many other great opportunities. Uh, around and um, that was just not the case uh, this past, you know, back in in January uh, when I was back on the market. Uh, you did not really have many people reaching out to you proactively, and if they did, it was for very short contract roles uh, and that sort of thing. Um, and I think you know, if you've spent any time on LinkedIn in the last couple of months, you've seen all sorts of stories about you know getting ghosted all the time by recruiters, like not getting callbacks, you know, submitting hundreds of applications and not hearing back. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I got ghosted, uh, at all by recruiters, but I also didn't get that many interviews right away to begin with, uh, just because, you know, it's, there's a lot of competition out there. Uh, I almost feel lucky in a way that I got let go when I did, because, uh, you know, I think it was earlier on in sort of this, this, um, uh, rash of layoffs. So there maybe wasn't quite as few, many, quite as many people on the market then as there is maybe now. That being said, you know, and I know there's been articles written about this, there are lots of companies that are still hiring. Uh, and it's maybe just not, you know, if you were going for like a one of the big like Fang tech companies or something like that, you know, maybe they're not hiring, but a lot of other uh, sort of less traditional, maybe not considered tech, big tech companies are hiring. Uh, so there's just tons of other opportunities out there that might just take a little bit more hunting around to do. Um you know, I'd set up some, one of the first things I did was set up some alerts on sites like LinkedIn and Indeed and across a couple of different job searches at different role levels and things like that. So I essentially had those systems sending me uh, job uh, emails every day. And there is always stuff out there. Um, now we can debate like how many of those are like sort of open roles where they're just going to be filling them for like, you know, it, with internal heads or uh, what have you. But um, there was definitely lots of stuff that was out there and, you know, I applied to tons of them. So. <laughs> well, and that's a great strategy for anybody who's listening, who's in a similar situation is to get those alerts set up so that the, you're not missing anything and those job, uh, those job opportunities are landing in your inbox. Yeah. Make uh, those sites work for you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now you also mentioned, uh, you know, some of those roles were contract, you know, short-term contract and so on. Did you ever entertain the idea of of doing what you do on more of a gig basis? Or were you headed straight for a, a full-time role next? I was looking for a full-time role. Um, I think I could, you know, not knowing what the market was going to be like, I knew I had to be open to pretty much anything. Um, so, I, you know, I went real hard on the positions that I thought were a, a good fit for me. You know, once I saw the target role, for instance, like I have a lot of retail experience from my time at Amazon because I worked within the retail org there. 
Um, so I poured a lot of time and energy into that one, but mm -hmm. you know, if that didn't work out, um, I could have landed in a completely different type of industry. I was talking to, you know, sort of, uh, a mental, a mental health app company. Um, I don't even remember them all at this point. There was just so many different, you know, companies that you talked to, but it definitely was not retail, you know? Um, so I, I had to be open to industries, different industries. I had to be open to contract work. There's very little you can control in a job hunt other than when you start and you know how you put yourself out there and how you show up every day you can't control if they call you back you can't control how quickly or slowly they're hiring so you just got to kind of show up and put your best foot forward every day and have your story straight and be able to give them the best elevator pitch you've got so excellent that's great advice just knowing that you have to keep at it not knowing what their timeline is not knowing if they're going to get back to you quickly or not. And also to be really open to different industries and different ways in which your experience fits in other, other roles. So you talked about, you know, thinking of this as a exercise in marketing yourself. So where do you go to find the pieces of the story that you're going to tell in order to market yourself? How do you, how do you put that together? Yeah. So, uh, a, a big part of, um, sort of my daily sort of weekly life at work is just kind of maintaining a, just a work journal. Uh, and it is, it's really anything you want it to be. In my case, uh, I just make sure it's something that I can have, I can take with me after I leave work. So it doesn't have any proprietary sort of information in it. So it's, the employer isn't going to be worried about that. Um, and then from there, um, you know, there's a couple different kinds of entries that I'm making, right? There's like sort of generalized sort of like priority, sort of like task list sorts of things, uh, what I need to do for the day uh, that helps me prioritize what I'm doing. Um, there's reflection on projects that I've worked on. Um, and then there's really tracking achievements, like uh, what were, what are all the big things or small things that I've uh, accomplished at work and like, what was the impact? And some of those are tracked short-term and some of those are tracked long-term. Uh, and then those are really the types of things. Those are the types of entries that figure directly into then how I update my resume or what I put on my LinkedIn. And then from there, it's, it's really thinking about like, how can I like quantify the impact in some way? Um, this was something that I, I remember reading a book called The Google Resume when I was um, going on the uh, industry market back in like 20, 2013 and really just kind of thinking about how to market myself as an academic, which can be really tough sometimes. Don't I know it? <laughs> yeah, right. To, to industry when uh, even though I had a bunch of industry experience, but uh, there can just be a stereotype there that you don't know how to actually do the work. And, you know, one of the big takeaways from that book is, book is to really try to, like, quantify the impact that you've had. Um, you'll see all the time that, you know, on resumes, people will put down their responsibilities, uh, but they won't really um, list the impact. They won't really include or state the impact that, they, that their work has had. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to know. Uh, and um, that can be an important part, not just for marketing yourself, but also for legitimizing your work. Uh, at, you know, at your place of employment uh, and, and give you more job security. So for me, it's like, you know, at Amazon, you know, they A-B test everything. So, you know, how much money did we make on this change that my research informed? Uh, something like that. That would be a really simple example. Um, but that quantification could take a number of different forms, right? Sure. It could be making where... a process more efficient that maybe isn't exactly. necessarily have revenue dollars attached to it but yeah absolutely yeah it doesn't have to be money it could be mm -hmm. you know percentage improvements it could be the number of people's you know 
uh, live, you know, a, an update that, you know, affected the work of thousands or hundreds or millions of people. I mean, you never really know. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Okay, so I love this idea. I love this idea of the work journal. Um, and I think it has so much application even beyond somebody who's, you know, a job seeker, because most organizations still have some form of uh, evaluation process at the end of the year. And a self-evaluation is usually included that so in that. So I could imagine that this would be a rich resource for constructing your self-evaluation narrative. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, when I look at my my work history, um, you know, I mean, even back in the academic days, you had like a tenure portfolio, and that was a very uh, you know detailed account of like all of your accomplishments. And then at a place like Amazon, I mean, uh, as I'm sure is true a lot of other places, you need to have a very detailed account of what your accomplishments are, and what the impact of your work has been, and um, you know, having that list. So I think between those two experiences, I've been trained to track my achievements and the impact, you know, very closely. And that can give you a leg up when you are going on the job market uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a market where a lot of people generally only list their responsibilities and don't really list the impact that their work has had. Absolutely. I love that focus on impact. And for those of you who don't have the academic background that Paul and I both have, uh, he and I both, I'm sure, very remember very distinctly having to turn in this massive dossier at the end of every academic year, <laughs> where in, in, in my um, in my sort of snarky fashion, I will say, then people went and sat in a dark room behind very very tightly closed doors and decided if I got to keep my job, <laughs> and that's a bit of an exaggeration for humor's sake, but that's kind sure. of what happened. We did have to keep very very detailed uh, notes on just about everything we did. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's to your benefit. You know, I think it's yeah. when you're, when you're trying to tell, you have to, you have to make the the case to, you know, these recruiters and to the hiring managers and to the portfolio review board, you know, whoever you're interviewing that, you know, you've really got the stuff that's going to, you've got the experience and the skill set that's going to help them out. And having that work journal can just be a source of, of all these different stories that you need. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of, of the work journal for just a minute. Is this something you keep sure. on your phone in an app? Do you use like a old good old fashioned moleskin pencil, you know, pen and paper? How do you, and I, I get, and I think it's really important that we like extra emphasize the idea that this can't have any proprietary information in it because this is something you want to be able to take with you. So there's no work secrets. There's no special formulas for the special sauce that your company makes or anything like that. Exactly. Um, and it's entirely portable, but how does that show up for you? Is it portable physical? Is it portable electronic? What do you, what do you do? 
Yeah, I think for me, I like a portable uh, electronic sort of version. So I think I used to use Evernote for a while. Um, and uh, now I've moved over to Notion. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them. <laughs> you say no, Notion? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah, Notion. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's, that's the same um, project management software that we use here behind the scenes at Working Conversations oh, to, uh, to run the podcast. <laughs> That's super fun. Yeah, it's really taken over, I feel like, the last couple of years. But yeah, Notion's fantastic. Um, that's what I, you know, I use for the work journal and then also for um, kind of like a giant portfolio kind of repository, I guess you could call it. Mm -hmm. uh, so for instance, like one thing you can do with like your uh, sort of like one strategy I use for sort of translating my work journal into stories that I can tell uh, during an interview. It's just creating this table that has, you know, on the left side, like a project uh, that I did and then, and maybe the impact listed and then, uh, you know, across the columns, uh, this traditional sort of interview, like star breakdown, like the situation task action result or the impact down there. Uh, and then, you know, I can pretty much fill that out across there and break down the entire project. And that becomes then something I can go back and review uh, when I go up and interview. So I can have all of those stories uh, sort of prepackaged in a way to go through at any time, uh, depending on like, you know, the behavioral questions that you're asking, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's such a great strategy. And I can imagine that it would also really make you feel more confident when you're going into an interview, knowing that you know these stories inside and out because you've got them documented and all you just had to do was like quickly review them before the interview. A hundred percent. And I think what's fun about uh, specifically with Notion is that you can actually, you can create another column and tag them uh, with specific themes. So, you know, you always get asked the question about like, tell me a time, you know, tell me about a time when you disagreed with somebody and you came to some agreement or something like that. So you can tag, uh, you know, a bunch of these different projects with the themes that you think um, they highlight. Uh, and uh, that gives you a great way to, um, you know, to sort of organize them in your head. And and let's be honest, in the in sort of the age of like doing your interviews over Zoom, uh, in a lot of cases, you can have these notes open, right? Uh, so you it, it definitely benefits you to have, you know, this entire, you know, portfolio of all of your projects um, open in front of you and organized in a way and filterable. So you're, you're searching like hashtag tight deadline and boom, up comes the project with the tight deadline and you can talk about it right there in the moment. I mean, more or less. I think I've gotten to the point where I like pour, I, I pour over these notes so much before I do an interview that I end up not opening them anyways. I have them in front of me just as, sure. as like a sort of like a, a last resort as like an emergency. Yeah. But um, I told you before the show started that I'm an over-preparer. So I like to read through my notes multiple times. And, you know, the more you internalize it, I think the better off you are, the better prepared you are to even make connections in the interview that you didn't necessarily know existed. Um, you know, uh, just because you have all this information swimming around your head. And because ultimately they're going to ask you something uh, that you don't expect. Uh, so the better you know your own stories, the more prepared you're going to be. You're going to be to address the things that you don't necessarily expect. Mm -hmm. And the more confident you're going to sound when you do. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, as someone in the tech industry who's recently been laid off, what is your best single piece of advice to those who find themselves in a similar situation? Yeah, I, I would say get back on the market right away. Um, even if it's just dipping your toe back into the water, um, getting laid off is undoubtedly a punch in the gut, uh, and it takes time to recover emotionally, but the job search also takes time. Um, 
one of the few things you control you can control is when you start looking and how you show up every day. Um, and building that momentum early on will help you land on your feet sooner rather than later, uh, as well as help you start crafting and revising the stories that you need to tell during the interviewing process. So send a few messages, look for a few jobs, update your resume, anything small, just get started right away. Oh, I love that. Get back in the game because that is the one thing that you can control. There's so much that feels out of your control when you get laid off. But that is absolutely one thing that you can completely do. Let people know and just get back in the game. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. What about some other pieces of advice? Anything else floating around in your head that you think like, oh, people got to know this? Or maybe I would do it differently next time if I was in a similar situation. Yeah, you know, you got to take care of yourself. And I think that's the flip side of this, get back on the market right away. You know, I've seen, again, if you've been on LinkedIn at all, you've seen tons of people that have taken weeks, months, uh, lots of time, you know, before they've really started looking in earnest. And, um, you know, they got to do, they have to do what's right for them. I could totally see that being my case at some point, you know, too. Um, that wasn't me this time. I, the day I got laid off, I got back on the market. But, um, you know, at least getting yourself engaged in the process right away, however small it, it, it can be, um, can really benefit you down the line uh, while still providing you the space to take care of yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think it's take care of yourself. And you see that see that as like a sliding scale, you know, you know, of like, all right, I'm going to take care of myself all the time but maybe invest a little bit more time in this job search stuff today, you know, and maybe just 15 minutes, you know, just to get myself back out there, but still really focus on just my emotional health today or spending time with my friends and family or whatever it is. Um, the other piece of advice I'd say is, you know, revisit uh, your resume with an eye for impact. I know we talked about this before, but, you know, look, look at a bunch of LinkedIn or, you know, LinkedIn, uh, profiles from people in the same uh, job family as you. And I bet that you will notice that most of them sound the same in terms of the roles and responsibilities that they have. And now you have to ask yourself, how are you going to make your experience stand out from uh, the other people that are out there? Um, and I think an easy way to do that is to really focus the language on your LinkedIn on the impact that you've had. Um, because just most people are not doing that. Better yet, if you can quantify it, but just by focusing on impact, uh, you're going to go a step further than, than I would say probably 90% of people out there. Oh, that is wonderful advice. So what is the impact that your work has had and putting, putting that in some language that's memorable and uh, quantifiable when that is possible? I think that makes such, that's such sound advice. What about the person whose identity is really wrapped up in their work? Like maybe they've been with that same company or in that same kind of role for, you know, a decade or two, and they're just emotionally wrecked because their identity is on the line now that they're no longer either with that company or in that role. What, what would you say to that person? Gosh, that's such a tough, that's such a tough one. Um, I mean, I, th I think generally just the way what we call the knowledge economy works now, uh, you know, where people, people just don't have the same job uh, for as long as they used to. They don't work for the same company for as long as they used to, which isn't really the case. There have been some people at Target that have been there for a very long time, as I'm finding out, um, which I think just 
shows that people really love working there. But um, most people just don't end up working at a company for for you know decades uh, or even more than like you know a couple years. Um, so uh, it's I actually don't I don't actually I gotta say I don't necessarily have advice for that person other than just having to take a step back and look at what your skill set is. And there are lots of different ways to, to be happy, uh, you know, and to find fulfillment. Maybe I guess the more I'm, th- I'm thinking through this out loud here, but what is, what is sort of the through line through all the work that you've done that really keeps you, um, keeps you engaged in your work and keeps you happy. Um, I think for me, um, that's been generally uh, focusing on user experience, focusing on making users life easier and uh you know i think that's what brought me into like web design initially um and that's been a through line through all my experience uh so now i really you know like a lot of ux researchers you know shot myself as somebody who uh you know really likes to advocate for customers and advocate for people that are using a piece of software uh and making making that experience better um because there are just simply some companies that don't invest in that side of the business um, and, uh, well, it sounds obvious to, you know, within the UX world that of course you're going to focus on users, a big chunk of the world still isn't thinking like that. Um, so for, for individuals then, you know, what does that look like for you? What is, what is of all the jobs that you've had, what are like the core, like one or two things that really, that really drive you? And then what might that look like in a different industry? I love that focus on the through line, because I think what that does for somebody is, it gets their emphasis back on what their contribution is. And so then they can identify themselves by their contribution as opposed to by their title or by the company that they worked for. And it can help them, I think, pull back and kind of rein in that identity piece to be more connected to what they're bringing and what results they're driving. I think that is, I think that's really helpful for somebody who feels like they're a little beat up on the identity side after uh, get, you know, getting laid off from a place that either they've been for a long time, or maybe, maybe they haven't been to your point, maybe they haven't been there for a long time, but it was like the dream company that they've always wanted to work for. Like they're finally landed at Tesla and then they got laid off from Tesla or they finally landed at Twitter and then they got laid off from Twitter. Not to pick on Elon Musk here, but those things could happen. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, no, I've seen a number of those posts where people have been devastated to, you know, been laid off from a place that was really, that was like their career goal. Um, but yeah, it's like, wh- what are the, what are the, sk- you, you have, a, you obviously have a great set of skills, so you can take the, take them somewhere else. You know, what are those core skills that you really want to keep investing in? Um, you know, and what are the places that are going to value that? You know, I already mentioned like user experience, but you know, obviously I came from a very writing specific program and writing has always been a core of like the jobs that I've taken since I joined Amazon in 2014. So, you know, that's something that I'm still kind of like, I build an identity around wherever I go, uh, you know, being a resource to people, put it, raising my hand up when there's writing tasks to do, you know, that's another big piece of my identity that is not necessarily tied to, um, you know, any one company. Uh, it's something I kind of take with me. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's another great piece of advice to be able to think about your identity as separate from your employer or that specific role, because it is something that you're going to carry with you from one place to the next. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, I am counting at least four pieces of really, really excellent advice here today for anybody who is either in a similar position that you were a few months back or is is concerned that they might be. Um, getting right back out there is top of the list. Number one is that's what I heard first, or at least that's what stands out as more important. Uh, most important. Number two, keep that work journal so it's easy to look at your accomplishments. And again, I think that transcends the job market. I think that's just a really valuable thing to have in general. Um, number three, look for the impact and make sure that you're always thinking about that impact because that's going to be really helpful in making the case and telling those star stories, telling telling those situational interviewing uh, situations where you can get to the results that you got uh, from the actions that you took. And then number four, that piece that your skill set, your contributions, all of that that goes into your identity, that is yours. And you carry that from place to place to place with you. So I think those are four really practical things that people can be anchoring to if they find themselves in a similar situation. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, you know, it's a tough market. And, you know, this is always going to be a challenge, right? You know, finding another job, Everybody eventually learns somewhere in their career that they really just have to take take the reins uh, and, you know, control their destiny. And I think some of these ways of thinking that, you know, I've picked up and everybody is picking up, I think, you know, can really help accelerate how quickly you get to that point where you really feel like you're taking control. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your thoughts, your experiences, and your advice with the Working Conversations listenership. This has been a terrific conversation and a lot of good pieces of solid, solid, actionable advice have come out of it. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. If people want to get to know a bit more about you or follow you on social media, where should they go? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just my name, Paul Anheyer, A-N-H-E-I-E-R. Uh, feel free to connect. Send me a message um, if you want to chat. Uh, that's, that's where I'm at. All right. We'll link that up in the show notes. Again, thank you so much, Paul. We appreciate you being here. If you enjoy this content and you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and knock that little bell so that you get notified every time there's a new episode out. And I'm also putting some other videos there too. So even if you're listening on a podcast player, you're going to want to head over to youtube.com forward slash Janelle Anderson PhD and subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Wherever you're listening or watching, please leave me a review and share this great interview with Paul with somebody else who needs it now. Thank you so much. And until next time, my friends, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.